give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Wall Street, the Wolves of Wall Street. Uh, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst, the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here back with Albert Garbage, G- Albert Garbage Time Gim, my co-host. Happy to have you back, man. How we doing? How we feeling? How we living? I'm doing fantastic. Life is busy. Um, it's been an incredible week, Corey, for you and I, for our listeners out there. Corey just got married this weekend. And interestingly enough, uh, today is my wedding anniversary with my wife. We just hit four years. So it's just a week of weddings and love and smiles. And it's really great to be back. And I just I just want to say for all our, our listeners out there and to you, Corey, congratulations again. Welcome to Married Life. I know you've kind of you've kind of been married already for like a year, but now it's like all done and official and really happy and excited for you, brother. I appreciate the kind words, dude. Um, yeah, officially, I am. I've been married for over a year. Got married last August, um, but we never had our actual wedding. So, getting to go through with the wedding finally, and you know all of the planning that goes into that, I have to give a kudos to my wife, who, while she was, you know, anxious uh, a lot planning for this because we did like a, a a backyard wedding and we wanted to make sure everything was good we had enough alcohol for everyone enough food you know we needed to get the caterers and the bartenders and you know all of that stuff we need to get everything perfect she was definitely you know nervous and anxious about it but she held it together way better than some of the horror stories i've heard from some of my friends so kudos to her it was a great time um you know uh, would recommend getting married you know it's you know what's funny mm-hmm. is that like so many people i'll run into be like yeah um i met you know i'm getting married on or my weddings this weekend or next week or whatever and they're like oh you sure you want to take the plunge you know <laughs> like it, it, like you ready to ready to give her half your money you know like all that corny shit and i'm just like dude i'm 36 years old <laughs> i'm choosing to settle down i had a mm-hmm. great time in my life I feel like I retired on my own accord. Good. You know, my jersey's hanging up in the rafters, but I did it on my own terms. And I feel like a lot of the people who said shit like that to me, they were Uh forced into retirement early. Damn. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I'm stoked to be, you know, uh, having been married for a year and going through the wedding. I'm stoked about it is what I'm saying. I just want to say I'm really excited. I'm really happy for you. Um, I can already see your jersey hanging in the rafters of your home and Gypsy <laughs> clawing away at it as yeah. we speak. Uh, but hey, it's really good to be back. And we're in a good mood. We're both feeling great. And I'm so excited to talk about the player we're, we're talking about today. Before we do, I have to ask, because I know you get down uh-huh. on the food. Okay. You, you're you about that life. For real. I am. For real. I am. Um, it's your four-year anniversary. Are you are you doing any kind of special dinner for your four-year Correct. anniversary? Yeah. So we are going to uh, Laurie's in Beverly Hills tonight. 
Uh, it is a place that is historically known for their prime rib. My wife specifically loves steak and she loves beef. Um, and so we're going to Lari's and we're going to get a beautiful cut of prime rib with a bunch of awesome sides and like, you know, the table side salad Caesar stuff going on and it's going to be yes. fantastic. So we're excited. I'm excited for you. You know, there's not much more I enjoy than a nice, perfectly cooked, medium rare steak. Unlike mm-hmm. our own Nathan Grubel, who, Albert, you, you know, we had to save in Vegas when the No Ceilings crew went out because Nathan just, he was like, guys, I, I know you're telling me to get medium rare, but I want to overcook my meat. <laughs> I want to pay to overcook my meat. That was Albert's thing. Um, the, uh, Nathan, the only man who likes to char on the outside and inside of the steak. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, these are jokes. We, we, we love showed, you, Nate. We, Nathan did ultimately end up getting his meat cooked the, the proper way. So um, kudos to, to Nathan from draft deeper on that life changing decision. But uh, I think that's a good <laughs> segue to start talking a little bit NBA draft continue with our preseason scouting reports. I know this is somebody who you really like a lot. He is very popular within the no ceilings click very popular within the draft community as a whole. We're talking about cam Whitmore, the power wing headed to Villanova. He is 18 years old. Uh, I think one of the younger prospects in the class Villanova lists him at six, seven, two thirty two. That is a big boy. Wow. Um, As a senior, he averaged 21.4 points per game, 10.6 rebounds per game, um, and was the MVP of the 2022 FIBA Americas Under-18 Championship Tournament, where he was absolutely dominant. Let's get into a little preseason stock pricing. Um, ESPN has him at 11. SB Nation has him at 6. Bleacher Report has him at 5. The Athletic has him at three, Tankathon at five, average stock price of six. So, Albert, I ask you, is Cam Whitmore stock price too high, too low, or is it just right at six? Oh, I, mm, God, I'm going to say for now, right now, at this very moment, six feels just right to me. Um, I think I forgot, honestly, where I have him on my personal board that we all uploaded quietly into our group <laughs> chat uh, about a week ago. Uh, but no, Whitmore is a guy that I really like. For now, though, Corey, I will say it's just right. You may change my mind by the end of this pod. Who knows what type of uh, voodoo powers you might put over me. But for now, I like him at six. I'm perfectly content with him at six. I have him at seven right now. Um on my board, which, you know, these boards are preseason boards. They mean very little. It's just a basis to kind of go off of and who we like in their, their film. And, um, you know, there's some things that I, I definitely think he needs to work on. There's some strengths that are some real ass strengths, but ultimately I, you know, he was very dominant this summer. He, he definitely made, uh, a name for himself in a big way, putting himself on the map as a legitimate top 10 prospect. So, uh, let's get into it. Where do you want to start? Um, when it comes to Cam Woodmore, I'd like to start with his power. Okay. Um, I loved how you called him a power guard. No, but um, let's start offensively. I think offensively is a good place to start. And not even nec- – I know we usually start with the shooting, Corey, but yeah, not even necessarily like with him as a shooter, but him as an offensive player I thought was really interesting. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's a good place to start for us. Yeah, well, let's start with his power and his athleticism. 
Okay. Because I think, you know, when you think Cam Whitmore, you're thinking athletic power wing. He like, at first I was like, well, he's a forward kind of, um, but he's a power. He's also really powerful, but he's not like a power forward in the traditional sense. Right. Right. So he's like a power swing wing, a guy who's going to be able to play some three, probably go up to play some four. I'll be interested to see what he actually measures at if he's a legit six, seven, because I think FIBA listed him at six, six. He's somewhere around there. Right. So mm-hmm. but he's certainly strong enough Two thirty two, Villanova's listing him at. You know, I've seen elsewhere two twenty five, but he looks like he's in the two thirties. I mean, this is a strong, strong man. And he's a crazy athlete to go along mm-hmm. with it. Right. He's very explosive. Um I think what I like about him the most, because yeah, some of these dunks that he throws down two handed, you know, just standing vert on the move. I was watching uh, one of his AAU games and he didn't actually end up completing the dunk, but he jumped from like right before the free throw line and almost put somebody on a poster like the the dunk, like back rimmed and he, he got the foul. But I was like, oh, shit, like that is. Uh, a nightmare um, if he's coming with at you with a head of steam. But what I love about him is yeah. his body control and his hang time, because there are a lot of really athletic guys who can just dunk on you and can get up. But what he can do contorting his body when defenders are coming at him, he's got like up and unders, like he's just really savvy in controlling um, the movements in his body. That's really impressive. Right. I thought he had a really impressive second jump yeah, for offensive rebounds. And I think all of this just is like, he's going to be a guy who you can get up and down with is a monster in transition is going to be able to push the pace and whether he's grabbing and going or he's running the wings. I just think he's going to be a guy that you love to see getting up and down playing fast, which is, you know, we know a lot of NBA teams, they want to push the pace. So I, I as an athlete, ridiculous. I think um, one of the one of the last things we'll ever talk about when we talk about a player offensively, the last thing that we'll talk about generally is their offensive rebounding. But with Cam Cam Whit- Whitmore, it's pretty deserved that we brought it up as early as you did, uh, Corey, because he is an absolute monster on the offensive glass. He has he's unbelievable, I, in my opinion. I think he's unbelievable at reading the ball off the rim. I think he times his jumps really, really well. You said he's got a great second jump. I think a lot of times he showed an incredible second jump, but also a great first jump at, at a lot of times oh, too, yeah. where he just knew when to be there and to go and get that rebound and to create another opportunity for himself or his teammates. Um, you talked about his physicality, what I wrote in my notes is he has an NBA body. Mm. He, in my opinion, is right. already bigger and stronger than a lot of NBA players. And it's absolutely insane. Um, the biggest thing that I loved about him, Corey, and I want to kind of do this in collaboration with what you said about his body control, control, his body control is wild, but also uh, he doesn't just embrace contact. He changes contact. Mm. And what I mean by that is he is so powerful in the air that even if the defender initiates the contact, he's going to be the one to finish it is how strong Cam Whitmore is, is he'll go up there and he's ready to absolutely dictate the terms with his power almost every single time. And it doesn't matter if it's against a guard or a center or a forward or whoever. He is such a violent athlete in the air and is so good at using that strength that he dictates the terms, which I really, really love. Um, A thing that I kind of wanted to kind of slide in there is that 
Um, I actually thought he showed some like decent playmaking ability that mm. I wasn't ready for at all. Um, I thought he was going to be a terrible playmaker before I actually like got into the deep dive. And I I'm not saying he's going to be a primary creator at all, but Corey, you did mention some of the grab and go ability. I think some of them, some of that is going to be there where he'll, he'll be able to grab, push the ball up and make simple reads here and there. Um, obviously he's not going to be making a ton of the advanced reads that you and I love talking about when we talk about guys like we've talked about before with like uh, Anthony black or whoever, but he wasn't like a absolute negative or a black hole by any means from what I saw. Maybe you saw things differently. I'm not sure, but I actually was like, Oh, this is not terrible was how I felt about his passing. And I did want to mention that. Yeah, no, I, for his passing, I, I wrote like, <clears throat> not a primary creator type, but right. should be able to make like solid connective yes. reads. Yes. You know, I, I think one of them that stood out, um, I, I want to say it was against the New Jersey scholars um, in great the name. EYBL. Uh, yeah. So great. A lot of really good names in the EYBL. Uh, he, it was the end of the game. They're down two, and he is the screener and he made a nice read to the corner um, out of the short roll that ended up being the game winning three with like 10 seconds left or something. So mm -hmm. he definitely has that ability. You know, I still think those, like you said, the, the high level, like weak side hits coming off a screen, that stuff might not necessarily be there right now, but he's shown enough flashes that you think that he's going to be able to be one of those connector types. Now, before we move on to some of the basketball skills, I do want to ask you a question. Yeah. And I think that this is something that I've, I'm really excited to ask. I want to do a little head-to-head -head matchup here. Oh, oh I, I know it's coming, and I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Who is, in your opinion, a better basketball athlete? Mm -hmm. Amen Thompson or Cam Whitmore? Cam Whitmore. So, Corey, I had no idea. For our listeners out there, I had no idea that Corey was going to do this. But when you said head-to-head, automatically my brain was like he's gonna ask me about amen thompson and i'm gonna say cam whitmore because Corey, to be fair you and i did a very extensive deep dive on amen thompson and we gave in my opinion our unbiased breakdown of him as a player right amen thompson is a peacock right he is very beautiful to look at i was in ventura county here in california on a work trip just about a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, we were driving around in a residential area doing our work. And I saw a beautiful peacock walking by. And I saw this guy. He saw us. He got freaked out, decided to spread open his beautiful feathers. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. That is cool. Right. So Amen Thompson is that he's cool to look out. Beautiful for the highlights. Beautiful for a YouTube mixtape. Cam Whitmore changes he makes stuff happen with his athleticism and power. I'm going to go Cam Whitmore. I don't think that's a hot take at all. And I think I'm leaning that way as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't want to undersell Amen Thompson's athleticism. Yeah, I think yeah. as a run and jump athlete, I think he's probably bouncier. Mm -hmm. I think he's certainly got a quicker first step. Right. So those are, you know, check marks towards Amen Thompson. But I also don't think he's that much bouncier. I think Cam Whitmore fucking gets up. I think when it comes to power, I'm going to take Cam Whitmore. Yeah. 
And the thing that I think is pushing me in the direction of Cam Whitmore as an athlete is the body control mm-hmm. because he is so fucking powerful, right. but he glides in the air too. And I know that Amen glides when he's in the air, but I don't think he can contort his body. Mm-hmm. And I also think that when Amen is getting downhill, I don't think he has the same level of footwork to kind of glide in between guys and and use that pace. I think when he goes fast, he goes fast. Now, Amen is a much better passer. So when he's, you know, instead of like maybe bobbing and weaving through guys to the hoop, maybe he's making a weak side hit. But just strictly using that athleticism, that combination, this is why I say basketball athlete and not like who's going to win in a track race or something. I think that is, it is a legitimate discussion on is Cam Whitmore a better athlete than Amen and Osar Thompson. I think there is a legitimate um, argument to be made that he is. I think right now, especially he's a little bit younger too. He's only going to get stronger and you know, who knows? Um, I definitely think that's there. There's something to be said there. And, and I I know that there's a lot of people that are probably shaking their head and won't agree with that. Right. Because Amen has been labeled. What's he been labeled as? generational he's been labeled as a generational athlete um and it's you know i don't know how many of them we have in this class but (laughs) at this point and but this is a great generation um so yeah i just think that's an interesting way to look at at athleticism because amen certainly uses it to make basketball plays now on the other end i think you could argue that amen might be using his athleticism a little bit better than cam whitmore does defensively Hmm. which you know i want to touch on later but um because i do have some hang-ups there but let's let's talk about more of his offensive game let's actually talk about kind of the the thing that's i think stopping him from being this like certifiable top five potentially top three guy which is the jump shot so talk to me about how do you feel about his jump shot going forward this year I think, Corey, the best way for me to describe how I feel about his jump shot is as I there's that classic saying, right? There's some guys you watch him and you go, I don't even have to watch the shot to know that it went in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cam Whitmore is the polar opposite of that. It's I keep watching him shoot and I watch it all the way through. And a lot of times I'm very surprised it went in is how I feel about Cam Whitmore. And I don't say that as an absolute, like, disgusting slight about his jump shot. It's, there's a, there and, a, and a Corey, you're going to give us, obviously, the technical breakdown of it all. But I thought at times that it didn't look super smooth, is how I felt. And as it was going up, it did look a little stiff. It did look a little mechanical. It did look a little forced. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's kind of what I was feeling as I was watching it. I was like, oh, that shot looks like it was forced. And I don't mean forced in the traditional way, like a defender forced it or the time the clock forced it. It was just like, it it didn't look natural. And it's kind of, he was pushing himself to slam a square peg into a circle hole type of thing. But then again, on the other side of the, on the other side of the coin, Corey, is that um, he hit a lot of them. Um, When you watch the um, hoop summit game, he hit a nice one. He like walks into the game and hits a three. Very nice. You watch the FIBA stuff, hit a bunch of threes. I think it was the Dominican Republic game or something. Yeah, it was really good. And even the high school stuff, like he was like not shy about putting them up at times and they would go in. I'm like, oh, look at you. Nice. That's awesome. So um, 
once again, like from looking at it aesthetically, just from the form and stuff, it doesn't inspire a lot of belief, but the results were there across a lot of different platforms and competitions. So you kind of have to start convincing yourself that it will look pretty good as he continues to shoot it and gets more coaching is how I felt. And I hope that made sense. It does. And I feel similarly because one, right. You could shoot it underhand overhead behind the back. If that shit goes in, right. Right. Then keep letting it fly. Like if it looks awkward, like there's a lot of guys who have awkward releases and if it goes in and they, and it tra- it's translatable, it'll mm-hmm. work. Right. Because right. at the end of the day, there's, you're not getting style points. You're only getting points for when the ball goes into the basket. Now <clears throat> there were times I was like, Oh, that looks really smooth. And then there were other times, like you said, where I was like, it's a little clunky, right? Like one, I think the top is pretty okay. You know, I, I think a lot of times it's pretty smooth. Um, sometimes there's a little hitch. Sometimes it's a little palmy. But overall, like, good arc. He waves goodbye. Good follow through. Um, what scares me about it and why I'm, like, tentative about putting him up in that top five group, because it really does mostly have to do with the jump shot, is I, even though he, like, it really did go in a lot this summer in the All-Star Games, the McDonald's game, the Hoop Summit, Jordan brand classic, the FIBA stuff, like he shot it well with confidence and it looked, you know, decent enough, but there's, I still want to see him prove it at like at the next level against legitimate competition at Villanova. I want to see, because he's also not like the best free throw shooter. Right. And we've talked about the correlation there a lot of times, not a, not a perfect, um, you know, it's not exact science there, but you know, there's, there's something there. But his base for me is where all of my hesitancy comes from. Uh, he gets real upright a lot. His feet are very narrow, right? Like I talk a lot. I, I've said it before on this podcast. Like you almost want to be like, if you were like, hey, can you square up with me and fight me right now? And if if you're off, be- like if you put your hands up instead of like putting the ball as like in the shooting motion, if you just put your hands up to fight and are you going to be able to fight with me? Are you going to be able to bob weave and keep your balance? And I don't think he he could do that right he's very upright his feet are very narrow instead of him being in like the fighting stands of like somebody who's about to square up in like a boxing match or a ufc fight he looks like a rock'em sock'em robot you know where it's only his hands are, are able to move um but you could tell it's like habit because if you look at his shooting base when he's shooting free throws his feet are wider you know so i i think that's kind of what I want to see him improve on. I want to see that base improve. I don't want to see him get so upright. Now when he's shooting, like he does have a high release. Um, so he gets clean looks, but I, it's weird. And I don't know if the percentages bear it out, but a lot of times I actually liked him shooting on the ball more often than off the ball, which, you know, a lot of times with guys who aren't necessarily the strongest shooters, it's the other way around, right? It's, you know, it's easier to kind of step into a shot wide open off the catch than it is to create looks. But the reason I say that, and it's not all the time, but some of the times, the reason I like it more is because when he's shooting it off the bounce, like with a man guarding him, when he does create a shot, he does get low with his dribble. So he's starting 
with a lower base and he's using like the fact that he's getting low with his dribble to generate more power with his lower body instead of like catching the ball and standing straight up and shooting with a lot of upper body he's using a lot more of his his base and his legs to just generate that upward trajectory that upward momentum so it's something to look out for again i don't you know have access necessarily to like the the stats to see if um it you know my eye test kind of backs that up but i like mm-hmm. what i see and if he could replicate the fact that of him starting low and being a little bit more balanced and using that upward momentum i think i'll like it more but overall it's weird because i can't be out on the shot mm-hmm. because it, it's it's gone in enough and he certainly looked like he's put in work to improve it and he shot it with confidence the FIBA games not a lot of competition right like I mean they won the championship game by 42 yep against Brazil so you know like winning a a gold medal game by 40 points shows Mm -hmm. you the level of competition that he played in the America's tournament Mm -hmm. uh the all-star games you know I think there's definitely things you can take from those but you also have to take it with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, it's an all-star game and there isn't consistent high-level defense being played at all times. Um, but I, I'm i not out on his shot. I just want to see him prove it a little bit Yeah, because I think yeah. that it's provable. <clears throat> no, I'm with you, Corey. And you know, I did want to say, um, first off, the FIBA stuff is unbelievable. And uh, what I wrote in my notes, and we've mentioned his name before. We've invoked his name before, but very Danny Almonte-esque. Uh, the way that he was out there, just yeah. absolute smashing on kids in the first game against the uh, Dominican Republic. He went up and dunked on some kid and the kid was on the ground and he just looked like he didn't want to get back up. And that was something that I was thinking about. I was like, oh, OK, like Cam Whitmore can actually intimidate people by how powerful he is. But I did want to say the Hoop Summit game, though, Corey, of all the different exhibitions that these guys play in, that one did feel the most competitive and like serious, obviously, because mm-hmm. these guys are like playing for different spots or whatever. But um, in that game, too, like the shot that he took when he first walked in was like money and it looked really clean. And then the funny thing is the following shot, I think he took a three a little bit after because he walked. I wrote in my notes, he took he hit a three next possession, attacked the mismatch with Montero, got himself uh, got himself a layup. And then I think the next possession after that, he took a three and like just completely hit it off the front of the rim. And I think like that kind of speaks to where we're at right now with Cam Whitmore when I think like all the mechanical stuff that you just talked about, right? When that is in sync and good to go, then it looks really pretty and it goes in. When it's not, he can have some ugly misses as well. But overall, like from what we can tell about him as like a character or a, I don't know, like a guy on the basketball court, he just seems like he cares a lot and plays really, really hard, which then kind of makes me believe like, okay, in time, I think he can get there. Uh, you and I, obviously, we you mentioned it before, but we're huge believers in the corollary between free throw shooting and outside shooting. And um, I think he, he was like, what, a 60-something percent shooter from the free throw, free throw line, which isn't fantastic. But um, I don't know. I'm kind of with you, Corey, where it's we're in that weird space where – Maybe a part of us doesn't want to believe, but also it doesn't make sense for us to not to believe considering the tape that we have. And also when it does look good, it does look good. So we really, I guess, have to believe in the infrastructure there at Villanova and the experience that he's going to have there. And then hopefully by the end of year one, he'll be at least. a. So, okay, Corey, let me ask you this really quickly, because I I feel like you're going to transition to the next thing here. But if you had like gun to your head, 
do you think he'll eventually be like a 35, 36% three point shooter? Or do you, are you leaning more towards it might be a little bit lower than that? I think he can get to 35%. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I okay. I'm a buyer. I'm a buyer in that. Like, same. I think from there, it just turns into what is the context behind that number? Hmm. Is it okay. he turns into a guy who is going to be confidently shooting it from deep off the bounce in the NBA and he's all of a sudden the guy you're projecting to be like a 20 point per game scorer who has you know some shooting gravity to open up his driving game or is that 35% on wide open catch and shoot looks that teams are kind of sagging off of him clogging the paint for everybody else and just like all right fine hit hit your 35% so I'm not sure what the context is going to be but I do think that he will hit that benchmark. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Uh, so, you know what, Corey, that's a really interesting. I don't think we've ever talked in those terms before, but I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but if he is a guy who is shooting off the bounds or yeah, it would have to be off the bounds at that percentage for us to really think of him in that tier of a player. But then also <clears throat> on the other side of that, Corey, if he's like 36%, off the catch in the corner and he can do all the physical stuff then maybe he's not like an elite tier prospect or player but he can be a really effective contributor to a really good team yes is i think fair 100 percent. if he's doing the rest of the things if right. he's uh you know using the fact that maybe all right so let's <clears throat> say it's the option where he's shooting wide open jumpers and he's shooting 36 percent, and teams are leaving yeah. him open well is he taking advantage of opportunities when guys fall asleep and he's yeah. getting easy cuts to the hoop and, you know, different things like that. Cause I do think he's a good cutter. Um, I do think he looks for openings and, and moves oh, well yeah. without the ball. Um, you know, a few things like you talked about, like him being a hard worker and how he cares and like, like that's Villanova basketball, you know, and, and he, he was recruited by Jay, Wright. You know, Jay, Wright's right. not going to be there. We don't know necessarily what Villanova is going to look like stylistically. Um, I think it's hard to say like, Oh, he'll be fine. He's going to Villanova because we don't know, but Jay Wright did recruit him. You know, it was a shock to everyone that Jay Wright retired when he retired and people were wondering like, Oh, I wonder if Cam Whitmore is going to stay or not. And he decided to stay. <clears throat> so, uh, I, I think, you know, it, regardless of where he is, he just is that type of person that Jay Wright would have recruited and, and did recruit. So that speaks yeah. to who he is. Now, talking about some of the other little things, you know, I, I think you mentioned like the, the first three point shot that he made in the Hoop Summit game. And then uh, you, you mentioned him like taking advantage of a mismatch on Montero. Was that where he got him in the post and just kind of mouse in the house him? Or did was yeah. that where he, yeah, which I like. I like that he's strong enough that this is one of the reasons you call him a power wing, like outside yeah. of him, like the powerful stuff at the rim. Um, I think that he's going to be able to take advantage of mismatches, right? And Montero was a guy who was, uh, you know, signed to by the Knicks for, with an exhibit 10 deal. Like he right. was a, a prospect last year for sure. And he went right at him as soon as he had the opportunity to do so just boom, give me the rock. I'm on the block. This guy can't stop me. He's too little. I like that about him. Uh, we talked about the um, the cutting, which I think, you know, as long as he's got guys who are going to get him the ball I, and 
playing, you know, a, a pace where guys are constantly moving and there's a lot of movement and that's college pro stuff. I think he's going to get easy buckets there as a self creator. Cause I think this is another thing like what level of prospect is he going to be like this dynamic scoring wing, or is he going to be kind of that off ball take advantage? Where do you see his self creation game? being right now you know it's obviously hard to see what kind of role he's going to be given at villanova but projecting Mm -hmm. long term based on what you've watched do you see him as a guy that has some self-creation ability uh i think it's a work in progress is what i have um what i wrote in my notes is i thought i thought the handle is good i thought the first step was even better um i thought the handle was good not great is how i felt um but I, i think overall the shot creation part of it also like I don't know, Corey, I don't know if you felt this way too, but I kind of wished he took more mid-range jumpers too. Um, I think there are opportunities for him to do that. And that's, we talk about it all the time. They'll lead scores in the NBA. They can operate operate in that middle area. And I don't, uh, I didn't feel like Cam Whitmore was very comfortable doing He's that. He's a two-level scorer. Yes, correct. He didn't show he it enough third level. No. for us. Yeah, for us to actually. But and it's funny, Corey. Usually, when we talk about a two level scorer, people assume like, okay, that that probably means the guy can't shoot threes. Yeah. Uh, Cam Whitmore is like not that at all. He likes to shoot threes and he likes getting to the bucket, but it's the middle stuff that he's missing. So I think that's where I'm at, Corey. I think it's a work in progress. Like it. Do I think there's a possibility where he can develop that for sure? Yeah, for sure. Just because he's so physical uh, and he's so willing to kind of put his body into people and I think that could create a lot for him and I did think his first step was very good obviously like you mentioned not as good as Amen but I still thought it was very quick definitely um, and I didn't you know I did want to give him that credit so I think the the tools and the opportunity will be there will he get there I don't know and so I did I I felt like work in progress is the best way to put that I think that's fair and I I think you know the point you made about him being that two level scorer not having the mid-range game, it's one of the reasons that you go, oh, I wonder what kind of scorer he might project to be at the next level yeah. or or at you know the NBA level because you know it's very analytic friendly game that he's playing, having you know dunks and threes in his bag. Um, and obviously, you know, we talked about why the three-point shot might be questionable. So, but definitely the rim stuff, and he definitely at least has a semblance of a shot that you could project forward. Um, but all of these wings, like you said, like if you're going to be a, a 20 point per game guy, you have to be able to score in different ways, you know, and it doesn't mean he needs to figure it out next year at Villanova. It doesn't mean he needs to figure it out in year one or year two, but eventually like you want to see at least some signs that you could project him forward a few years into his NBA career where, you know, maybe he turns into one of the guys in a core and, you know, that coach will give him the freedom to explore part that part of his game because you know it's going to be the type of thing where a like he's going to be at least theoretically guardable right if he doesn't have like a floater or a a, you know a midi pull up to get to he's going to be a little bit predictable because what are you going to do when you guard him you're going to be like all right first of all i'm going to give him a little bit of space in a ball screen i'm going to go under it and i think that you know if you were guarding him, you would try to make it so that he's giving the ball up. You're going to wall up, you know, wall up at the rim on the weak side and make him turn into a playmaker. And, you know, we said that he's got some passing flashes, but he certainly hasn't shown, in my opinion, the ability to like consistently make guys better in the same way 
Ahmed Thompson has. So when right. they do come over and help, he's not always making that next pass, skip, you know, a couple of passes away, causing scrambles. So if you're guarding him and he doesn't have that second layer where you could now the defense has to think a little bit more and they're just like, all right, I know he's getting to the rim here. So let's meet him there, wall up with a couple of guys and help and see what he does to when he moves off ball. You know, I, I think that it could be a little bit predictable, but I do think he has a good handle. Like you said, mm-hmm. I do think when help in, is late, even when he does have to like slither through guys, he's got like euros and this smoothness to like, you know, get in between and slither through guys with, which for a guy with his frame is pretty intense, you know, Mm -hmm. like he's strong as hell. He's big as hell. And he can really get skinny and get through guys and finish with like just really smooth finesse. Um, But I I do think he needs to kind of work on that because um, based on all the things, I, I just don't think we've, we've seen enough of him in that mid range area, but he's a force when he does get to the rim. Right. And he seeks out contact and yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I I think he has no problem getting downhill, getting to the rim. It's just when things are going to be more advanced and there's less space and less guys out of position than maybe an AAU and the FIBA and stuff. Is he going to be able to adjust to that? Yeah, no, Corey, I 100% agree. And kind of one of the last notes that I have here with him as an offensive player, what I wrote is I think he's still a prospect that trusts his physicality and brute strength a little bit more uh, than any other aspect of his game. And I think overall, he's kind of just still a little rough around the edges for me. And when I say that, I'm not saying that he doesn't have finesse or he doesn't have skill or technical ability. He does. Um, It's just that, I think a lot of it had to do with what you mentioned, Corey. I think a lot of it had to do with the level of competition that he played against and what he was asked to do against said competition. What I'm hoping for is that as he goes to Villanova, I'm hoping the coaching staff will continue to work with him and challenge him to do a little bit more of the in-between stuff that we are kind of unsure about and what we just talked about. So I'm a believer. I think he can get there, but as of now, he just doesn't, he just hasn't shown it at all. Now, the one thing I will say, because we, you know, we'll shit on like the competition he played in FIBA and like all star games are what they are. But with that said, those all star games were against his peers, all of the best grouping of his peers. And he was like, fuck y'all. Yeah, I'm the guy. And like he forcefully made his presence felt in those games and he forcefully made his presence felt in the FIBA games. And there's something to be said just about like that X factor it that he, I think has where he's just like, yeah, I might be more physically dominant. Well, that's too bad for you guys. Sucks to suck. I am going to dunk everything on your head and get whatever I want. But I I do think all the things. Yeah. It's that alpha mentality and we'll see how far that, that takes him offensively at the next level. Um, Let's take a quick break and then hit on his defense. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
All right, we're back to break down Cam Whitmore's defense. So, uh, on the ball, what did you think um, about him as a kind of a point of attack defender? <sighs> Corey, when it comes to his defense as a whole, on the ball, off the ball, whatever, I actually really, really – so what I wrote here in my notes is must ask Corey because for me, I had some real questions, dude. Um, and I think where I want to start was as much as I loved him offensively and the aggression and the uh, the, the you can feel, it's tangible, his energy on the offensive side of the ball. For me, defensively, I didn't always feel that way. And I wanted to know if I'm crazy or if maybe I was just missing things because also like Corey, something that we talk a lot about is like context, right? Like I remember one of the things that you said to me early on when we first started recording was like, just because we see a prospect do something doesn't mean that that blame always goes on the prospect. Sometimes that is a scheme. That is what the coach is asking him to do. There are certain things that he's expected to do. And yeah, it may not elicit the a great result, but we can't just kill the player because the coach might've been asking him to do that. But for me with Cam Whitmore on the ball, I thought there were moments when I believed he was super locked in and he was really intimidating. He used his length. Well, I thought he was really, he could be um, really good with his feet moving laterally at times as well. My only question is Corey, there were times where I felt like he wasn't as, as engaged. And when he wasn't as engaged, it was a little confusing for me. And I was wondering where was the guy that I saw offensively, like, where did that guy go? And wh who am I watching here defensively is how I felt. And even with, like, the off-ball stuff, I thought sometimes he could get caught ball watching. I thought it, it was like a mixed bag for me overall defensively. But once again, I don't want to say that I'm down on him as a defender. I'm also wondering, and why I wanted to ask you, I'm also wondering if maybe I just saw stuff wrong. And I, I think I need a second opinion on what you saw to kind of help me to understand what I was watching. No, I actually, I think you're spot on, um, you know, on the ball, I, I like in high school games in the yeah. AAU context, I think that teams were kind of afraid to go in his direction. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because I, I, I'm sitting there watching his games and I'm focused. I'm like, just pass the ball to the guy he's guarding. So I could see more of what he looks like because i just felt like there was so there just wasn't that many possessions where it was just like one-on-one -on -one, let me attack cam whitmore because the few possessions i did see that it was like all right this is what i want to know if he could do and he's just moving his feet he's in his stance he's bodying up obviously you're not moving him right as as an offensive player but then at the same time where we talk about that forcefulness where you felt his presence offensively, where it was like, okay, well, I'm going to take the ball and I'm going to make something happen. Like, even yeah. if it means I have to go get the rebound and start the break myself, like I'm going to make something happen. It very little felt that way defensively, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like I didn't very rarely like in that game against the, you know, greatly named New Jersey scholars, DJ Wagner's on that team. I didn't really see where Cam Whitmore was like, fuck this shit. Let me check him. Let me switch on him. Let me, let me see what he's got. Yeah. I wanted to see it, you know, like, so I think that he, a lot of it is going to be projection. Like I'm so interested to watch him at the college level, check guys, 
because I think that, you know, they're going to be there physically at the next level and not be so intimidated to kind of see what he's got. Right. Whereas I think a lot of times high school kids kind of were maybe high school coaches were, maybe it was like, Hey, let's keep it away from his man, his side, whatever. Let's run action to get, uh, you know, switches. So we don't have to attack him because I do think, you know, there were certainly flashes where he looked like he could be a dominant defensive player. Um, but I, I didn't feel that same, like I want to be known and, be this destroyer like the the way that i felt about jarris walker is it's like he wanted to be everywhere on the court right and then off ball i have a lot of concerns you know when we talk about athleticism and basketball athleticism like he's not really a rim protector Yes, I. Mm. He doesn't get a lot of shot blocks, and somebody mm-hmm. as strong and as le- as athletic as Cam Whitmore is should be swatting everything. Yes, in these games, especially with like sloppy, broken play, like guys forcing bad shots near the rim, like he should just be sending shit into the stands, and he's not. And the reason is because when he's off ball, he's just very rarely in the right spot. You know, we talk about how important that low man is, like the terminology at the college and MBA level is that man is called the MIG, the most important guy. And the reason is, is because that's the guy that you want to be tagging the role and meeting roles at the rim or coming over and helping and sliding in to take a charge or getting vertical or whatever. And he's just not in the right spot. Like the most he, like the closest he was to being home underneath the hoop was like the opposite block. And you know, maybe at times you can get in the play at that level, but each level you go up, if you're not in the right spot, you're going to be late and that's going to be fouls or it's going to be buckets. Um, but he just very rarely would come over and send somebody shot. And that's because he was never in the right spot. And he was just kind of like lollygagging around on the weak side, you know, there, and, and what's crazy is there was one uh, game. I think I want to say it was against the lightning, but I'm not sure because a lot of it blends together where he Mm -hmm. did end up in the same in the right spot and he just engulfed the ball, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. absolutely ate it alive. Right. Like and it it shows that that's what he can do and what he should be doing. Amen Thompson, where we were like, oh, there's, you know, maybe some of his athleticism isn't as functional offensively. Because, you know, we think Cam Whitmore maybe has better body control or footwork and Amen Thompson he swats thing. He gets yeah. in the passing lanes, right? He's much he more active um, off the ball. And, and we talked about that. Amen also struggles with positioning off the ball, but he's at least trying to be forceful. Right? right. So I, off the ball, I think that he's got a lot of work to do. And I, I think that some of those low block numbers um, are indicative of that because he's just too physically dominant to not have really high stock numbers. And yeah, he got, he, you know, he'll get steals and whatnot, but I, somebody that athletic should be able to protect the rim at that level in a much better way. Um, and then a, a lot of the times him being, you know, taking away the shot blocking and rim protection, cause that's not everything. He's just in the wrong spot. And when the ball would swing, it would cause these weird scrambles that would lead to, you know, layups or kickouts or whatever. So I'm, I'm low on his off ball defense right now and where he's at. And, you know, I think this side of the ball is going to be like, all right, is this a baseline, like three and D two way guy, or 
is he like a one-way offensive wing with some question marks who you're always wondering if he could be better defensive? And that's the thing that I'm really about going into Villanova. And it's one of the reasons besides his shooting, why I am like, all right, he's definitely a guy that could end up being like the third pick in the draft, but I could also see him, you know, being a little bit further behind on certain sides of the ball. And he ends up going like eighth or ninth. Cause there's questions about him maybe, you know, going in and out. So I, that that's where I'm at defensively with him. I Corey. Perfect. Number one, you make me feel so much better about what the hell I was watching because I was really in short because I was like, I really like this guy, but am I drunk or am I watching something and not even knowing what I'm watching? So that makes me feel a lot better. But I do want to say, Corey, I feel like this may be me having been your co-host for a couple of years now and just like kind of sipping the Kool-Aid here because <laughs> you are an absolute Villanova lifer. And I'm just wondering if I'm like overselling that in my own brain, but a part of me really believes, and I know coach Jay Wright is no longer there, but part of me believes that he's going to enter that infrastructure. The coaching staff is going to see what we saw. And I think everything that we talked about is fixable because the hard drive, the hardware on this guy is fantastic. He's got all the strength and athleticism. If we download the correct software onto this kid, there is real potential to be an absolutely terrifying defender if he puts it together. So I think where I'm at, Corey, is I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad I saw what you saw, but I'm really hoping and praying that that infrastructure there and the coaching there downloads the correct software into the kid and he becomes terrifying because – the biggest thing for me, Corey, was when they were dominating those kids during the FIBA play, at least in the beginning of the game, when it's still like 0-0 or whatever, there are moments where he's like jumping into passing lanes, taking it the other way, finishing strong, trying to lock up his man. You know, But Corey, I loved what you said because this is what I wrote in my notes. I thought he really struggled helping against big guys. Against the bigger guys, I felt there were opportunities for him to be there sooner and to impose his will a little bit. But because he was late and because he wasn't right, right, he did get beat up a little bit by bigger guys. And which, you know, some people might say, well, they're bigger. It's going to happen. I can agree with that. But also there were opportunities where I felt like if he made the right read and was there fast enough, he could have he could have contested shots better at the rim was what I wrote, regardless of their size, because of how strong and athletic he is. So um, I'm going to believe that at Villanova, he will become a good defender is what I want to believe right now. And I I'm with you. I do believe I, you know, nice. for as much as I said is like, there's question marks. If you gave me like an ultimatum, like you have to guess whether it's going to work or not. I would say, yeah. I think it's going to work because he is a forceful player. It does. He, it looks like he works to get better. And I do think that there is going to be some Villanova infrastructure left over carrying over from Jay Wright. So, um, but with that said, I want to ask you, who do you think the last one and done player at Villanova actually was? Because it's been a while. The year was 1997. That's how long. Ninety-seven. I almost said Carrie Kittles. Um, I don't know. I actually have no idea. Can I get another hint before you get, give it to me? Uh, was a New York Nick. 
not drafted by the Knicks. Uh, drafted by the Sixers, I believe. Clarence Weatherspoon? Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas. Why did I say Clarence Weatherspoon? That's a terrible <laughs> guess. I apologize. Tim Thomas. That's a great one. That's the last one and done that Villanova had. Wow. It's been a while. So Cam, uh, Cam Whitmore is projected to be a uh, you know, potential top five, top ten guy. and um, But it hasn't happened at that university since 1997. And uh, I wasn't even going to the Villanova camps at that point. Although Tim wow. Thomas did speak one year. He was one of the guest speakers. All right. Uh, if you're buying stock in Cam Whitmore, who may you have bought stock in previously? Okay. So I, I wonder how people are going to receive this, but I'm going to go for it. Go for it. Um, I imagine him as a slightly smaller, but so I imagine, okay, if this guy was six eight, six seven, six eight, and played in the NBA today, I think he'd play very similarly. <laughs> Um, I think he just imposes well on guys, be really physical, be strong, be explosive, be great on the boards. Um, 2022, six foot seven, six foot eight, Sean Kemp was oh. the guy that I wrote. And um, I know. Hell of a player. Yeah. Sean Kemp was a very good player who made the finals with the Sonics and actually had a weird end to his career. Not the best. But not the best. Um, he decided to put on some weight at the end. But hey, man. No, no body shaming here. Um, but I like Sean Kemp here because I think Whitmore can play with that type of influence. Not he's, he's I'm not saying he's going to be the same player, of course, but he will impose his will on guys with his power, strength, agility, um, and just intensity, right? But then also, what would Sean Kemp look like if he played in 2022? I think Sean Kemp would have had more guard skills. I think he would have shot the ball more. I think he would have learned to take threes, right? Is how I felt about this comp. So I want Sean Kemp 2022, but a little bit shorter. I like that. Because um, it takes some imagination when you bring your throwback guys. Because, you know, the play style would be a little bit different. But they'd have learned, right? So I, I think they're... I picked like two guys with two similar yet different paths and games. Okay. I think that there's a world where Cam Whitmore is who people wanted Isaac Okoro to be. Okay. Uh, You know, like Isaac Okoro, I was kind of lukewarm on because I just didn't buy the shot at all but i really liked a lot of the other skills where it was like okay i see the path if if the shot comes at all like he's could be a two-way monster um because power athlete right he was like very power wingy he had some underrated passing ability and he was a a pretty good ball handler right and that's where for him a lot of jimmy butler comps came from uh cam whitmore i think is a little taller than uh isaac okoro which which helps but isaac okoro definitely had that defensive part of his game down with little questions so that's one path where maybe he's the guy that we wanted isaac okoro to be the other path and i say this in name and play style only is i think there's a world where he's kind of like miles bridgesy oh boy again just in the way that they played best the game of basketball where if you put him with the right running mate 
who is going to find him and give him opportunities to, you know, make smart cuts to the hoop, run, play fast, get him open shots in spots that he likes it. He could be a guy that is getting to like 20 points per game while maybe not being that crazy, you know, off the bounce shooter, but still finding ways because of the pace, because of the opportunities that, you know, a guy like LaMelo or, or a guard like that, Cade, you know, one of these guys who were really good at finding these types of players and getting them opportunities. Maybe that's the type of player he ultimately could be. And, you know, Miles Bridges wasn't like this defensive, you know, stopper by any means. So like, there are still question marks on that side of the ball. I think he could have that kind of impact. Now, I think that if none of the off-court stuff happened, right, like there's not really a world where a LaMelo ball, Miles Bridges 1-2 combo is probably taking you deep into the playoffs, right? Like even though Miles Bridges was putting up those, you know, pretty good stats, mm-hmm. you really needed another guy to be take, you know, and you needed him to have a lesser role. So I think if that's that could be the type of scenario that he enters where like if he goes to a team that's probably a lottery bubble, you know, playoff team, he could probably get to like 20 points per game, but it's probably not best for the team that he's that kind of guy. So there's still questions. Maybe he does develop that in between game and it's, he turns into like some totally different player that you would compare him to. Maybe he does turn into like a Jimmy Butler type guy. I don't know. But uh, those are the names that kind of, and the paths that I can kind of see him going down. Corey, I I will say this. I think you throwing in that Jimmy Butler name at the end means something because I think a lot of NBA teams may end up grabbing him in the top five, envisioning a player like that. Depending Mm -hmm. on how year one goes at Villanova, he may start to flash some of the things that we didn't really see him do in high school. And the NBA teams might be like, okay, this kid is really athletic. He's really freaking strong. Oh, and he showed flashes of an in-between game as long as well as a an improved three-point jumper, and he can finish almost anything at the rim. That that sounds like a guy that you know takes his team you know late into the playoffs almost every single year. So I I think there is something to that, Corey, and a reason why we may end up seeing him in the top five, maybe even in the top three by the time the draft comes along. All right, it's uh, that time, Albert. It's time for. America's favorite segment. Everybody get out your notepads. It's time for Albert garbage time game to sell me this pen on Cam Whitmore. All right. Uh, Uniball and Bic and all you cowards out there who continue to refuse to sponsor this segment. Uh, but I haven't done this in a while. I haven't sold any pens recently, but it's good to be back. Uh, selling Cam, Cam Whitmore is really easy. Uh, we talked about it right now. Uh, but hey, look around the league. Look at the NBA. Wings are at a premium. People really like wings. NBA teams need wings. And the way that my co-host Corey uh, described him is as a power wing, a guy who has a lot of strength, who is really imposing with his physicality. As athletic and strong and physical as he is, he also can play under control. He has f- finesse to his game. He has technical ability to his game. He's got good h- handles. He can shoot the three. He is a developing shooter, a guy that we're hoping can show more in the mid-range while he's in college he's going to a great situation at Villanova where I think he's going to be asked to 
do things that he's not really comfortable with doing right now, but he's also going to get coached up and empowered to do those things well. So Cam Whitmore is a guy who has pretty much all the tools you're looking for in an NBA prospect who you want to put as a starting caliber wing on your team. It's going to be really interesting to watch how he develops in college and obviously in the NBA, but he's a guy you should be betting on because as we've mentioned earlier in this pod, the hardware with him is fantastic. It all depends on more of the software that gets downloaded into this kid to for us to start dreaming about the unbelievable talent that he might become. So Cam Whitmore, a guy with a really high ceiling, and in my opinion, already a pretty high floor as well. Well done. Um, it's good to have you back in the saddle. Just hawking pens to all of our, <laughs> our viewers and listeners out there. Uh, I want to thank everybody who is watching live. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Maybe share it with your boys. And um, thank you for all of our, our listeners as well uh, for rocking with us throughout the off season because we're getting close, Albert. I mean, My. NBA Media Day has already happened. Uh, I know, I believe uh, you and Rucker are going, you got a trip planned in, right? Uh, it's coming up soon. Is it next week? Next week, I couldn't believe it. Next week, tell the tell everyone what you're doing next, where you're going next week. <laughs> well, for our listeners out there, I was texting with Rucker earlier today, and I was absolutely shocked by the fact that next week is October, and we <laughs> will be in Vegas to witness uh, Mr. Wembanyama play against the G League Ignite and playing against guys like Scoot Henderson is what we're really excited to be watching next week live. So be on the lookout for that because I think we're going to be doing some sort of content with that. Wow, the Leonard Miller erasure there. (laughs) Star of the the game, Leonard Miller. (laughs) Uh, Decisions were made, Corey. (laughs) That's that's awesome. I'm jealous uh, that I'm not going to be in Vegas with you guys, uh, but I'm going to be making my own trip later in October to uh, see the overtime elite um, during their pro day, which I'm excited about. But uh, all right, that's going to do it for the Cam Whitmore episode of the Draft Deck NBA Draft Podcast. Albert, tell the people where they can find you online so they can keep up and see all your shenanigans in Vegas with Rucker. Uh, you can find me at Alberto, T-O-E. Gim is my handle on Twitter. Um, I'm really excited to be out there in Vegas uh, with my buddy Rucker again. And we're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff, I believe. Um, also, Corey, as you mentioned, it's really great to be back on the Draft Act NBA podcast. Um, I am not a guest, folks. I am a regular on the, I am a co-host <laughs> with Corey. I've you just are. been uh, busy recently, but I'm back and I'm really excited because as you mentioned, Corey, the season is right around the corner and I have been very quietly trying to catch up to all of you guys. I've been grinding out here in Los Angeles to uh, be ready for the season and I want to be in tip top shape. So I'm really excited for it all. And it was really great to be back. Uh, you can find me at Corey Tullaba on Twitter uh, at the NBA Draft Dude on TikTok. Um, also follow No Ceilings NBA on TikTok. Uh, no Ceilings uh, TV on YouTube. The NBA Draft Dude on YouTube. And if you have not, make sure that you uh, subscribe, rate, and share the Draft Act NBA Draft podcast. Albert, uh, enjoy your Beverly Hills steak, medium cooked. 
Nathan Grubel style tonight? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> medium rare, medium rare only at no ceilings, uh, folks. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for rocking with us. Until next time, we out. Peace. Peace.